Welcome to the Learner Journals, where we try and find out how and why people learn language. My name is Tom, and I'm searching for the perfect learning routine to take my and your Mandarin to the next level. By interviewing as many learners as I can, I hope to gather some interesting similarities, differences, and totally unique ways to learn and keep language. Let the journals begin. Hello and welcome to the Learner Journals. Today I am here with YouTuber and near. Well, I'm going to say near native. You're going to totally correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to say all right. I'll say very fluent in Japanese. Matt versus Japan. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Now I'm super excited. And I said to the. I said, I said this to you before uh, we started the podcast, and that is because uh, I've watched a bunch of your videos. Um, I, uh, you're one of those YouTubers who's, who do v varying, uh, videos, including sort of vlogs, mm -hmm. vlog style. You go out and trick people into mm -hmm. thinking, oh, you're a foreigner or whatever, America, whatever. A couple and, times. And you speak fluent Japanese and they think, oh, what? Um, very much like Xiaoma mm -hmm. with, uh, with, uh, Mandarin. Uh, so I was super excited because, uh, I, I want to talk about your methods of learning and, mm -hmm. I'm so, so intrigued by it because I heard a lot about, about passive listening and all and active listening. And, and also one of your friends said something about watching anime and reading manga and being mm -hmm. learning lazy and this, you know, lots of input before you output this kind of stuff. I, I want to drill into that if that's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. First of all, your native, your mother tongue is English. Yes. Born and raised in America. Never lived anywhere else besides a brief six-month period that I lived in Japan. Right. Okay. And now that's part of your journey. And and uh, do you study? Do you study? Do you still study Japanese now? Now that you're yes, I do fluent. Right. Okay. So how much time? This is an interesting one for me, just because you you you're already very good at Japanese. Um, mm -hmm. As I say, so so good, so good, so you can fool people into believing that you are Japanese, which is horrible of you. Uh, that was a joke. Um, how much time then do you spend on Japanese now versus how much time did you spend on Japanese? Yeah, yeah. So actually, so I've, I live in the U.S. right now. I've been in the U.S. for 10 years. So I haven't been to Japan in, in literally 10 years. The last time I was in right. Japan was 10 years ago today, pretty much. And so I'm actually moving to Japan in about a little over a month from now. Wow. Which is yeah, permanently. Like about time. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. And so because of that, for the past six months, knowing I'm going to move to Japan, potentially live there for a very long time, yeah. I've been working on my Japanese as much as I can because, uh, I mean, I might live there for, for all I know the rest of my life, right? Yeah. But at least a couple of years, I'm thinking. Yeah. And so when I'm in Japan, I'm really thinking of living my entire life in Japanese. And so I want to have the highest possible level of ability I can. And so, yeah, I've just been working on, like, I mean, you, you said I'll, I'll, cor I'll correct you on my, on my level. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean... There's, I'm, I would say I am really, really good at Japanese, especially compared to most people. Yes. But I definitely wouldn't say I'm native level. Like what I've found is that there's a huge gap between like really strong, high level of fluency and being like truly like a native, native speaker. Okay. And what's the difference? Well, so there's a lot of different things. Uh -huh. I mean, and different people prioritize different aspects. One is pronunciation, right? Like, sure. I, I really value pronunciation. I want to be able to sound, if I can, like 100% like a native speaker who was born and raised in Tokyo. Right. And so I have a really good 
uh, Japanese pronunciation. And I've actually improved it a lot over the, the last couple of years, which is something we can talk about. Yeah. But uh, I think I'm at a point now where, like, if I talk to a Japanese person on the phone and they weren't paying attention, they, yeah. would, they might think that I was born and raised somewhere in Japan, but probably not from Tokyo or something, or probably not the region that they're from, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like, for me as an American, if you're like a foreign foreign language speaker and you speak British English, I can't identify whether you're a native speaker or not as easily because right. you don't speak the dialect that I'm like most comfortable with. Yes. And so I'm kind of like at that level, but I'd like to get to the point where if I can, I can sound like a completely like I'm born and raised in Tokyo and no one would, no one would ever know. Even if they talk to me for like three hours straight, you it, know? Is uh, your, your, you said you're, you could have a, a Tokyo accent. Is that because you've been studying specifically the Tokyo accent? If, if you go, is it regional? Uh, you have to excuse the ignorance yeah. about Japanese. Yeah, it, it is regional, but there's also a standard language. And so a lot of Japanese people are almost bilingual in the sense of they speak their regional dialect and then they speak like standard Japanese. Right. Okay. Okay. So can I, let me take you back way back. Yes. When did you start learning Japanese? Yeah, that's probably a good way to, <laughs> good way to tell the story. Yeah. Uh, so I first got interested in Japanese when I was in high school when I was in ninth grade. Uh-huh. And up until that point, I had never been into languages. I was actually taking a mandatory Spanish class and the teacher hated me because I, I didn't try at all and I was sure. doing awfully. And then I watched anime and just thought, this is really rad. I want to know more about this. I want to learn this crazy language that they're speaking. Okay. And I think it also ha had to do with the fact that when I was a kid, I was really into like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and Dragon Ball. Yeah. And so it kind of clicked like, oh, all my favorite childhood things were from Japan. Yeah. And that suddenly made me really interested. So started studying Japanese. And for the first two years of studying Japanese, I didn't really do anything special. I just took, I, I switched into the Japanese class they had at my high school. Luckily, I had a high school, had a Japanese class. Right. And, you know, I studied doing textbooks, really normal things. Didn't get great results. Okay. And it was about two years into me, like trying to learn Japanese, not really getting anywhere. That I took a trip to Japan for just three weeks. Yeah. Like a, a, it was a trip through my school where I stayed with the host family and stuff. And like really thought like, okay, I, I really want to actually get good at this. Like Japan is really cool. I really bonded with my host family that very first time. And so uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to get really serious about learning Japanese. So I came back home and it was at that point that I really changed how I studied. Okay. And so I, I need to stop you there just for a sec. Yes. So uh, you, you, you found a, a host family in Japan. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a program, so it was like a program. I found it on my own, but. Okay, okay, okay. There was a, you joined a program. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we, we had plenty of those too. I used to teach in, in Taiwan and we had loads of foreigners who came over just to do the same kind of thing. Like, I, told you, I think it was called the Rotary Club or something like that. Um, hmm. Okay, so you, you, you went through a program and you joined, and how long was that? Six months, you said? No, 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 just three oh, weeks the three first weeks. time. Three weeks, okay. The sixth one, the sixth one comes the Later. next part of the story. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, now for the three weeks, how much Japanese did you speak? I mean, how much could you speak? Uh, not very much. Like I could, We're it talking... was at the point where like, if I stopped and I thought about what I wanted to say for like five minutes, then like I could come up with something and like, maybe they would understand me, but it would be like really unnatural and unnatural, crappy. broken. You'd be grasping at straws trying to, okay. So yeah. Yeah. And I didn't understand anything when they talked to me. It was just like way <laughs> too fast and a giant blur. Yeah, of course. A hundred percent. Okay. And but prior to that, uh, you had two years in school. Yes. So, so after two years of learning from a book, uh, grammar, all this kind of stuff. Was your teacher Japanese? Like, no, native? he was a white guy. All right. Okay. So you had a white American Japanese teacher. 
Yes. He taught you from a book. And after two years of learning that, and you enjoyed it, you were actively watching anime. You, you had lots of input. Yeah, I was watching anime with English subtitles. Right. But you had the, so, the audio input. You're reading the sub. So you, to some made, degree. You were kind of, you thought the voices were cool. Yes. When some of the characters so. went, you thought, amazing. But you were yes. just reading the, okay, okay. Um, which animes, by the way? You said Yogyo, um, Dragon Ball. So I, when I was a kid, I really liked Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Dragon Ball. At that period, I mean, I think one of the first shows I watched was like Death Note. Okay. That was really cool. Naruto? Like, uh, Naruto? I, I miss Naruto. Somehow I never watched Naruto as a kid. What? Okay. I think But, uh, yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so uh, two years you studied and you went basically with nothing. Yeah, basically. So and, you, and also that make that makes me sound perhaps a little bit like I'm like a crappy student. No, I was actually the best student in the class. No, no. So no. this phenomenon of you know, you know you take classes <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you do you do the textbook like no one gets good that way. So it was no from in hindsight, of course I still sucked at that point. Listen, a lot of people, I've, you, you're you're person number thirty I've spoken to, a polyglot <laughs> and, and multilingual sure. people that I've spoken to, and many people, most of them didn't like languages at school and didn't get on with it and don't learn very well from books. So like, you're not unusual. And I guess this is why you have this, this method. I'm so, this is why I'm so interested to talk to you. So, okay. Two years, didn't really learn much. Still loved the culture, loved the mm -hmm. uh, shows and stuff. So you got lots of input, not a lot of output, went to live with them three weeks, thought this is my turning point. I love my host family. They were super welcoming. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. So mm -hmm. your motivation like tenfolded. And you thought like a hundred, a hundred I'm getting like. my ass back to the States and I'm, pr I'm concentrating on, on, so yes. Then what happened? What did you do? So then I tried to put as much of my life in Japanese as possible. So I like to the point where I was like to my English friends, like, sorry, I can't like hang out with you that much anymore. Cause I need oh. to like do Japanese all the time. And so I started only watching Japanese TV shows, only watching Japanese movies put my phone and my computer into Japanese, even though I couldn't really understand it yet. I have a question. I'm sorry, Matt, this is uh, how, so uh, you, you got back. You don't, I still don't understand anything, right? I'm watching a lot of anime. Yes. I'm turning the subtitles off. Um, did you do that? Did you turn the English subtitles yes, off? Okay. Definitely. I'm turning them off. Did you turn on the Japanese subtitles? Uh, when I, when I could find Japanese subtitles, but at the time it was pretty hard to get a hold of Japanese subtitles. Yeah. So it was it, only a portion of the time. Could I actually like make that happen? Right. And so, and when you were watching your favorite animes or, or Japanese shows and whatever, or wherever you could find them, you were simply context clues. were trying to, you were following context yeah. clues with body language and stuff just to figure out what the hell, cause you genuinely didn't know anything they were saying. Well, sometimes I would watch shows that I'd already seen with English subtitles once. And okay. so that way, you know, I already knew what was happening in my head and other times I would watch a show and, uh, I, I would just pretend I knew what they were saying. Like there was actually a time where I watched this one show and I thought I, I pretty much understood what was happening. I was like, Oh yeah, I, I get it. This guy's going there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, that was a really good show. And then I watched, rewatched it like three years later when I was like, I actually understood Japanese and I realized like, oh crap, I had no, no idea, idea what was happening that first time. I was literally like making it up in my head, right, like, right. just pretending. How did you uh, not get frustrated rewatching shows? Well, so I think part of it was part of what, what inspired me to take this really extreme method was there's this blog where this other guy on the internet uh -huh. uh, named Katsumoto, he had done the same thing. He said that he got fluent in Japanese, like super quickly in America by just putting his whole life into Japanese. Okay. And so I was like, okay, if this guy could do it, then I, I can do it too. So I kind of just trusted that it was going to work because it worked for this other guy. Okay. And, and that's one of the most awesome things I've ever heard. So how, 
what can I ask you, if you don't mind, what was your, yeah. your, um, living situation at that time? So th at that time, when I very first started, it was still summer break. You know, in America, we got this like three month summer break right. where you don't have any responsibilities. So okay. it was the perfect time to get started. And then I went back to high school and I was just a normal high schooler living with my family. Okay. And I wasn't putting a lot of effort into high school. Let's just say. Right. So at this point, your phone, everything is Japanese apart from speaking to your yes. parents, your parents, but you're living with your parents at this point. Yes. So, yes. so you are getting breaks from Japanese in this. You've told your friends, look, I am just geeking out on mm -hmm. language right now. Leave me alone. I love you still. Please don't hate me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, um, cool. And, and like, I, you know, I would take classes at high school and I would like secretly like put a little headphone. I would like have a headphone going through the sleeve and I'd be like this, like listening to Japanese in class. Classic trick. Now, what would you listen to? And that I would listen to the audio from anime that I'd seen. So I'd like watch an anime. Yep. And then I'd use a program to like extract the audio from it. I put that on my iPod and that's what I would listen to on repeat. What percentage of an episode do you listen to? Would you understand at that point? At that point? Yep. Probably like 30%, I would say. Wow. When that, I very first started. That's still not bad. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, the way that language works, you know, is that the very most common words and phrases show up like all over the place all sure. the time. Right. And so by, you know, just taking those two years of classes and stuff like that, like I could catch when they'd say like, I, me, that, it, like, the, none. Yeah. You know. And, and so, whatever, it, yeah. so yeah. when I say 30%, it was more like, like I, I get everything except the content words, like in the sentence, it'd be like, like, Hey, I told you to. Right. But, but I, yeah. but yeah, but I, then I, so it's like not really important, Thanks but it your... feels like you're under, you're standing <laughs> yeah. a lot because there's like all these words you're recognizing, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. So you said, you say you, you understand about, I, I'm going to go back just quickly to the, 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 the book learning. So you feel that the book learning gave you a, a good enough foundation to be able to understand about 30%. Yeah. That combined with, I guess, like you mentioned, I, I was watching anime with English subtitles that probably helped for something. So. How, how many times would you rewatch an episode of whatever it was, whatever anime? Back then? So the way that I, I thought about it, and I still do think about it, but even from back then, I had this concept of like active immersion versus passive immersion. Right. And so active immersion, that was when I was like sitting down and paying full attention to the show. That's all, that's all I'm doing at that time. And so, and, and then later I would have passive listening where I would, I would just listen to things in the background while I did other things like take a high school class on economics or something like that, <laughs> or, okay. or, you know. Take a walk, go go to the bathroom, anything. Did your teachers never wonder and, why you were always in this position? Uh, I don't think those teachers were very, very plugged in. I don't think okay. they were noticing okay. anything. Okay, but, <laughs> okay sure. But uh, yeah, so basically, actively, I would generally only watch things one time. Yep. But then I would put it onto my like passive immersion pod, and I would passively like keep them on repeat. And listen oh. to it quite quite a bit. So that was kind of the system that I had. Um, so you put them on. You said you're you're passive. <laughs> was this was this episodes of anime again? This is the audio. Yes, just yes. the audio. You rip the audio and put them on a yes pop, yes right on your phone or whatever, and then you just re-listened essentially to the same thing again and again whilst you were doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Well, so the way that I did it, I set it up is that I had this little iPod, this yeah. like iPod Nano, and I I would hook it up to headphones, and I would like have the headphones hanging out of my shirt. Yeah. And I would have, I would never pause the iPod. So it would just be constantly playing. So whenever I had a second, like even if I was just going to, you know, go to the bathroom, yeah. I would just put one of the headphones in and I didn't even have to press pause or, or, or anything. Cause it, it was just always playing. 
So it was like minimal friction to get into passive listening at any any point in time. Okay. And and the way that you um, differentiate between passive and active for you was the passive is you, as I say, just doing that, listening on repeat, mm-hmm. or shuffle all, essentially just keep playing forever and ever mm-hmm. and ever. You're not actively listening to anything. You're not trying to understand it. It's just in your yeah, ear. Yeah. I mean, I I was making an effort when I when I could, you know, it's like, okay. Hey, you know, if I'm if I'm like walking down the hall and I have an opportunity to pay attention, I'll like try to, you know, direct my attention towards it. But it was it was very much like a, you know, just it's in the background. I'll listen when I can. When yeah. I even my, my philosophy was even if I'm not actively paying attention, it's still like going into my brain somehow and probably doing something. And and you stand by this method, by the way. Uh, yeah, definitely. OK, okay. But, well, but I think the, the, the important point here is that I think the passive listening becomes effective when combined with active, active. listening. Okay. There's, there's people who make the mistake of only doing passive listening and they generally don't get very good results. Right. So I think basically if you only do passive listening, then your brain will just kind of like filter it out as white noise and ignore it. But if you do active listening and kind of tell your brain like, Hey, this language is really important. This is like a problem I'm trying to solve right now. That's, that's yeah. like really important to me. Then when you do the passive listening, your brain will go, Oh, that's, that's that problem i'm trying to solve right now let me let me tune in a little bit right 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 the way that i think about it so with active can i just drill in a little bit on your on your specifically on active and i'm sorry for not following the questions too like rigidly but um with your active you said you'd sit and try and listen like you're really trying to understand what they say now is this new episodes or is this ones you've listened to passively before um no, the active ones, it would always be new content except sometimes i would like re-watch a show that i'd watched like a year ago okay but it, I, it was generally new content that right. I hadn't seen before. So as Goku is powering up, maybe it's not Dragon Ball you're watching at that point, but as he's powering up beyond 9,000, um, mm-hmm. you're trying to understand. Now, you have no idea. The only, thing, the only thing you have going on right now, even at 30%, is he is, well, you, you don't know powering up or 9,000, yeah. right? You just know he is or, you know, oh, my God, he is. Kind of, yeah. Okay, but you're trying to understand what the, how do you then do you pause? Well, so yeah. the, the other big portion of my, the other big component of my learning process was I made pretty heavy use of Anki. Okay. So cards. yeah. Do, do I need to explain Anki or is this type of thing that's been covered? It, 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 a few times space repetition system Anki. Yeah. It's very flexible, customizable uh, space repetition. System. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's like you make your own flashcards and then the program tells you when to study them so that you can study really efficiently and, and keep the vast majority of them in your memory. Okay. Do, and yep. so, I would make Anki cards to learn the words that came up in the shows that I was watching. Okay. And so generally when, when the show was all audio and there was no subtitles, it wouldn't, it wasn't really possible to make the, the cards. So what I would do is when I wanted to make the Anki cards, I would watch Japanese shows with Japanese subtitles. Yeah. Or I would like read manga, like comic books or something like that that had text. Right. And then that way I would look for, I would basically just like look up the words I didn't know. And then I would make flashcards for them in the, the system. And I would, that's how I kind of like actively grew my vocabulary. So how do, this has always interested me with, with languages is how do you, I mean, I, I use a, I use a different method, but like I'm uh, to learn Mandarin, but, but uh, I'm, I say I'm fascinated by this one. So how did you, you listen to an, an anime and you hear a word, make it up and you think, Oh, what does mean? Now you haven't got subtitles. Do you then use mm-hmm. a Japanese dictionary to try and use? The- I would try. Yeah. And so at the beginning, you know, you don't have super high like listening accuracy. So like yeah. sometimes you find it, sometimes you don't. Right. You try to look it up just through listening. Right. And as I mean, in, in, within Mandarin, because it's a tonal language also, you're not sure, entirely sure mm-hmm. which tone they're using on certain 
word. So it's okay. Okay. So in Japanese, you had, you had to look for the word. If you could find it great, you'd stick it on an Anki card. Would you, mm-hmm. would you use the, is it Gabriel Winner sort of, uh, uh, strategy where you would, or method where you'd use a picture along with a word? And like, no, I generally, so what I did was I, at the beginning, I just used the Japanese to English dictionary. Okay. And then after about six months, I switched to using a Japanese to Japanese dictionary. That was like all in Japanese. Oh, nice, nice, nice. And, and how would you implement each word? So let's say you, no, 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 no. You learned that meant powering up, mm-hmm. powering up. Okay. How did you then put that in a sentence? Did you ever use sentences with an Anki or was it just? Yeah, I always use sentences. So the, oh, the way always. my cards were formatted were the front of the card was a sentence, yep. example sentence. And then the back was the definition of the target word that I didn't know. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm confused. So let's go back. So, so like for what's say in, in English, I wanted to learn the word um, like camera. Yes. So that's what I have in front of me right now. Mm-hmm. So I would, I, I would make a flashcard where the front would say like, my camera was very expensive. Yeah. And then the back of the card would say camera, a electronic device that lets you record video or something like that. Okay. But how would, but, but you'd already know my and very expensive. Yes. So, so what I would do is if I, if I could, I would try to actually take the original sentence I found this, the word in. Yeah. And but in order to do that, I'd only do that if the sentence was I plus one, meaning that I already understood all of it except the target word. That's like the ideal. So I would kind of when I was like reading comic books or watching a TV show, I'd be kind of like hunting for these sentences. Yeah. Where I understand everything but one word. And that way I can like use the sentence to teach myself the word and put it into the flashcard program. Okay. But sometimes that didn't always work out. So I would just like go to a website that just had tons of example sentences and just like find an example sentence that made sense to me and stick in how much time did you spend building these decks so what i did for the vast majority of my time learning japanese is i made 10 cards a day and i did that for about five years and so probably it it took it was about between an hour and 90 minutes a day combined with the studying and like the reviewing the flashcards combined with making new cards probably in that range and that was this kind of like fast forwards in the story, but I did that for like, for like 10 cards a day. I mean, depending on who you are, that doesn't sound like a lot. A lot of people will memorize like 20 words a day or 30 sure. words a day. But what I did was I very consistently learned 10 words a day for like five years. And I ended up with like over 15,000 flashcards. And then I, I had a huge vocabulary that was almost on parallel to native speakers. How? And even in some specific domains, better than native speakers. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So it's only like 3,000 or something odd words that you need to know. So you learned 15,000 words in Anki. Yeah, in Anki. Plus there's other words that I just picked up through osmosis and didn't have to make a card for it, you know? Okay. How, what about grammar? So grammar, I didn't really do anything besides the like little foundation that I had from the textbooks and stuff like that. I think at the beginning of this my this intensive process, I like read through an additional grammar guide yeah but really i just like for for grammar points that i didn't know i just kind of either looked them up on the fly or just kind of figured them out through context so so looking okay so that's what i did as well and that's what i do is is learn through context essentially mistake oh is that wrong okay you know and repeat 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 until i get it right Uh, i hate grammar by the way i'm not sure i don't know if you are you a fan of grammar um I, i i am but i also know it's not effective because you can't, you, you, it's not, it's not realistic to be thinking about grammar rules in the middle of a conversation. Right. And that's not how we naturally learn anyway, as children, obviously it's just, okay. Yeah. So, um, I love this by the way. And, uh, how, so you said 10 a day. So that means you would, you would make 10 net new cards, but then you would take 
how long then to sit and memorize it? However long it takes. Well, so memorizing the 10 words, I mean, generally I, I would end up learning the words throughout the process of making the card, right? Cause I'm like searching the, for the definition. I'm deciding yes. on the example sentence. So the make, process of making the cards kind of was the process of remembering them. But then I also had like reviews, right? Anki, you have to review all your past cards so you don't forget them. Right. And so I would have like 60 to 80 reviews or something a day. And that would take, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, depending on, you know, what part of the process I was in. Like, you know, I did this for years. So, you know, it changed throughout the years a little bit. For but. sure. Does does Japanese have like a, Rom a Romanized version of the language? Like pinyin it, in? It does, but also, so Japanese uses, has, has three different writing systems that they use in combination. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is Chinese characters and the other two are phonetic based. Okay. And so you can, if you, it's a normal written Japanese, like if you buy a Japanese book, it, it consists of all three of these intertwined together. Like within a single sentence, you'll have all these and within a single word, you can have all three of them intertwined wow. together. And so generally, like what, when Japanese people want to express the reading of a Chinese character, they, they'll just write it out in the phonetic version of the alphabet. Right. And so the, the phonetic version of the alphabet, um, well, there's two, there's two of them, but they each have like 50 characters each. And you can learn them in like a couple of days if you want to. So, so generally, so I never used romanization. I would just use hiragana and katakana, which are the, the Japanese phonetic writing systems. Right. OK, so you, you're also learning the characters on these flashcards. Yes, I was to recognize them. I never to really recognize. worried that much about um, writing them out, but I would I would just put the characters on the front of the card, and then I would just make sure that I could read them, and then I knew right. what the word meant. I'm not entirely sure whether writing. I mean, it's becoming a little bit superfluous right now because computers. But yeah. unless you're into the art side of things, or so, I don't I don't know calligraphy. I mean, I have philosophy. My my philosophy is that. If you want to learn how to write out the characters, it's best to do that after you can already read them really comfortably uh -huh. because the whole process will be way quicker and easier that way. It's right. like learning how to spell a word that, that, that you can read. You know, it's like you, you have the mental, the vague mental image in your head and you just got to make it clear. Which yeah, is yeah, not yeah. that hard if you practice. But anyway. One thing I love about you is, is that your proof. So um, I've never been a fan of uh, golden paths with language learning, or there's one way definitely, you know, to absolutely learn something. It, you, I think we each find our own sort of way to learn and best way, etc. I know there's better ways than others, perhaps, mm -hmm. but I'm not fans of things like fluent in three months. Uh, I, I don't believe in selling that dream to people. I think it's unfair. And, and uh, unless, of course, you can dedicate, well, you dedicated 10 years of your life uh, yeah. to learning Japanese to get to the level you are, right? That's, and like mm -hmm. you're saying, the, the stress, not the stress, but I mean, I guess you didn't, you enjoyed the journey, but to learn in school for a couple of years, to go to a host family, then to start absorb, changing your whole life into Japanese, absorbing as much as you can, um, doing 10 flashcards a day, learning sentences. Uh, and then obviously there's more story to come, I'm sure over the next, you know, a, a dozen, you know whatever, how many years you're going to explain in a minute. Um, <laughs> it, this is, is, is great proof to me again, that it takes hard, it's hard work to get to the, to that level. And oh yeah, especially in a language like Japanese. Right, 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 right. And uh, and and anyone who tries to sell this, oh, you, know, you oh, two weeks. You can get uh, native level Japanese in two weeks. Is I just please listen to oh, people. Oh yeah, definitely like, not. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, I mean, I mean, for me in my case, you know, I said I was really inspired by this website where this guy did a similar thing. Yes, he sold me that you could get like native level in like about a year and a half. Uh -huh. And in hindsight, even that was like total. Like, right not realistic at all you unless know? you're a savant or something at language well i've never met someone uh i've never met that type of savant so maybe well, they exist but i haven't seen it yet right exactly so i mean you can get 
um, I don't know, maybe basic, like you could hand yourself and I think i watched one of your videos perhaps uh, explaining about you, you could get uh, a decent, no, I say decent level. All these words are a bit, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But like uh, you could get, survive on holiday with, you know, if you, if you study for a couple of months, you go on holiday, you could order a drink. Uh, you could ask for a bag at the shop or whatever, maybe get some milk. I don't know, but not much more than that. Unless you dedicate, you know, unless you've got one of those lives, you can dedicate eight, 10 hours a day. Talk, talking about that. Can you talk me through Matt? So let's go back. Sorry, back on track. Mm-hmm. Matt, a day in the life of Matt, um, uh, during the 10 flashcards a day times. Could you talk me through yeah, one, so one of those days? The, the one point in the journey. So I'll say that. So you know, my, my first two years, so we talked about, I was just taking classes yep. and doing textbooks. And then I started like immersion, yes. like almost full-time immersion. Six months into full-time immersion, I went back to Japan and I went to Japan for six months. Right. And then I came back and then I continued doing immersion in America. And so when I was in Japan, things were a little bit different than when I was in America doing the immersion. Right. And so when I first went to Japan or, or when, when I went, to the six month study abroad in Japan, I had been doing this like immer- intensive immersion for about six months, which right. ultimately was not enough to really get to a high level. So I was better than I was the first time I went to Japan, but still like when, when a Japanese person was talking to me and they were like speaking slowly and clearly about like a basic everyday topic, I could mostly follow along. Right. But when Japanese people would talk amongst themselves, I would generally be like totally lost. No idea. Okay. And so I, I didn't really have a high enough level to like, jump into like a group of friends and like be one of them you know yeah. yeah and so basically what ended up happening was in japan i didn't i didn't really succeed at making a lot of friends and this time around i didn't get along with my host family very well and oh. so i ended up having a, actually a really crappy time during the six month period in japan oh dear and so uh, it was actually supposed to be a 10th month a 10 month study abroad but i got depressed halfway through and quit and came back home early wow because uh, of the family abroad. so well the I actually had multiple different host families that switched every two months. Okay. And so had a couple different host families and some of them were better than others, but I never had that like amazing bond that I had with that first host family. Right. You know, the, the year before. Did that, how, what, what did that do to your motivation to learn Japanese? It, it was pretty challenging. I mean, when I first got back from Japan, I had a moment where I was like, so is this all done now? Am I done with this? Like, was this all just like a giant dream? Like, was yeah. I just bullshitting myself that this was like something I wanted to do? Yeah. But I just kind of like looked deep inside and I, and I just felt I still had that same spark that I had when I first started and that I had this nasty experience, but still I, it was what I wanted to do. I'd come this far. I didn't want to give up. I wanted to like see it through. So I kind of just decided to kind of double down in a way and uh, again, go forward. Yeah. And I think part of this was, uh, you know, humans are good at rationalizing things that are convenient to them. Yeah. So I think part of it was some cost bias. I mean, honestly, in hindsight, like I had already dedicated (laughs) at the time, like as a 17 year old, 18 year old, three years of your life feels like eternity. Right. So I had dedicated like, so what felt like so long to my life to Japanese and, and, and it felt like if I quit now, then like everything I, I had been working towards would be for nothing. So I, I wanted right. to convince myself that I wanted to keep doing Japanese. So I kind of like shoved all my bad memories from Japan, like into a box and went and watched all my favorite anime and was like, no, this is it. I, I still, still I'm it. still here. I'm still here. I'm going to do this. Did is, is, can I ask is the, the bad experience that you had over the six months, the reason you haven't been back to Japan? Um, I would not say so. Okay. At least, I mean, it was, it, 
it was the reason I didn't go back for the first couple of years. And then after that, like in hindsight, now that I'm moving to Japan, I'm kind of like, fuck, why didn't it go like five years ago? Like, why did I wait this long? That's kind of how I feel now. But, but maybe it was. I mean, what I felt was when I go back to Japan, I want to be like totally fluent. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go back and like still be struggling with the language. I want to like master Japanese, go back and then just like kick ass. That was kind of like what I felt at the time. You are also um, a great proof that you don't have to live in the country, you know, the native speaking country to be able to get to the point of fluency. So it sounds like you're both your experiences. One, you didn't really speak Japanese very much. You had a great experience, but you didn't really speak it. You didn't learn much. Mm-hmm. It just gave you the passion to, to, to keep mm-hmm. you know. And the second one was a bad experience. Again, you didn't really learn much. You just got a bad taste in your mm-hmm. mouth. I mean, I did get better at Japanese because for the six months when I was in Japan, yeah. I was still like immersing myself fully. But when I came back, you know, I was like one year into full immersion and like definitely was not at fluency yet. How okay okay so you did full immersion the full a full a full immersion technique for one year, including yes. six months of that in Japan. Yes. Um, so before that, you you said your comprehension level was about thirty percent. Mm-hmm. At the end of that year, what was that after the immersion? So it it would it greatly depended on the content. Okay. But at that point, after that year, like if I watched like an easy show, like an, an anime that was just about like high schoolers and you know and their romance yeah stuff i could probably understand like 80 90 percent of that show sometimes even close to 100 percent. but then if i turned on like a science fiction show it would be like 20 percent. It, it's like depends a lot on the content but that's taken that's to, now just to put that in perspective you're still at that point from 30 to 80 percent potentially depending on on subject mm-hmm. you are doing 10 flashcards a day creating 10 flashcards a day memorizing them and constantly listening to as as much audio or video as you can all day, mm-hmm. every day, for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and that's amazing. That's great. And it takes a lot of drive to do that. Now, yeah. Also, I'll say that for the six months in Japan, I was pretty focused on reading. So I would, that was the most of my like effort <clears throat> I was putting into reading what are called light novels, which are basically the like novel, the novel version of anime. So it's like anime, okay. but in a, in, it's all text with like almost no pictures. And those are actually pretty challenging from a linguistic wow. perspective. They, they use a lot of like big words and hard characters and things like that. Yeah. And so I would just be sitting there. Like I, when I first went to Japan, I read my first light novel. It took me a whole month of reading it like four hours a day to like get to the end of it. And, but I would just do that for hours. Like I would do it in class. Cause I didn't, they were, I, they put me in, I was just like in chemistry class, like mm. physics class. Like I didn't understand anything the teacher was saying. Cause it was way too hard. <laughs> and so I would just like be reading my book and, and not, paying attention to the class i'd how, be reading the japanese book how much credence do you put on reading when learning a language is a lot of i think that it's a really a really efficient way to grow your vocabulary and your like comprehension of grammar but i also think in hindsight that doing a lot of reading early on actually damaged my pronunciation because when you're reading you know oh. you do this thing called sub vocalization or you, you you read in your head yeah and i think doing that before you've achieved a native like accent actually kind of like cements bad pronunciation habits that are really hard to fix later. So don't read, I, you think? Not if you want to have a good accent, and at least not early on. So interesting. And, and did, you, did you say it took you, how long did it take you to finish a novel? Four months? For the first one. And then the second one took me two weeks. And then the next one took me like a week and a half. And it, it like, there was a like exponential Yeah, growth. but I want to talk about Matt, four month Matt. Let's, can I talk about four yeah. month Matt? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the, the novel number one, whatever it may be, yeah. Um, well, you said it was mainly words, not, not a lot of pictures. So you couldn't, 
yeah, yeah really there's the like context. five pictures in the whole thing and then it's like just text so and, and you would recognize some of those characters because you've been doing the flashcards yeah and i mean well for the other thing i'll say is that this this novel series had been adapted into an anime and i had already watched the anime so Cheating. i had like this visualization in my head of like roughly what was happening and at the beginning it was like very vague like it was like okay i, I can kind of tell what scene is happening now and i can remember from the show and really yeah they, but but what i found was that there's like a set you know every author has like a couple expressions or like grammar structures that they, they love to use so once i picked those up it like got better really quickly but yeah at the beginning it was very very really, really quickly rough. four months okay so so um i i admire your dedication by the way um how you said you, how many hours did you do a day uh four months uh, well so, so it, it was four weeks to read the first novel sorry. oh four weeks okay but, sorry four yeah. weeks but you said a couple of hours a day or something like probably like four hours a day just so reading you're the staring at this page thinking yes okay i know that one that one's da 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 but that one i have no idea what that means now did you look those words up is that why it took so long? i did look well at the beginning i looked a lot of things up but not everything like at the beginning there were so many things i didn't know that it like wasn't realistic to look up everything right so i was just going for like a vague general understanding of roughly what, the, what was happening in the plot and i'd only look up the words that felt like completely crucial yeah to understand the story you you, you seem to have a lot so that there was a lot but but you now realize that that was potentially a mistake because of pronunciation yeah if um, i could go back in time i would have totally avoided it. reading for the first couple of years so that's uh amazingly interesting so um avoid reading in your opinion if you want to get good at pronunciation um, yeah yeah I, I think it's it's not it's not a prescription to everybody because no. It's a trade-off, right? When you read, you can grow your vocabulary really quickly. And it's also, it's easier to get good at reading than to get good at listening initially. Yes. Because listening, sometimes you have this problem of, it's first of all, it's too fast. Second of all, you can't even hear what they're saying. You, you might, they might be saying words you know, but you don't even, you can't even tell because you can't identify them. They're, they're so blurry, right? Yeah. In reading, you don't have either of, those, either of those problems. You can go at your own pace and everything is right there on the page. So if you know a word, you're going to you're going to recognize it. Yeah. And so it's easier to grow reading ability initially than to grow listening ability. And once you have the reading ability, you can transfer a lot of it over to listening pretty quickly. And so for, it makes sense if you want, if you're kind of like speed running a language and you don't care that much about having like a perfect accent, yeah. then maybe it, it does make sense in that situation. You, but if you want to have like a fully native accent, then I think you, you want to learn how a children does, right? Entirely through audio. Yes. And only after becoming fluent in the spoken language, would you then learn how it's written? So. You, I've got so many questions, by the way, um, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I've got so many questions. Um, so you have a team to have a lot of input. There's a lot of input going yes, on there. Ton of input. Yes. But currently you're not talking about output at all. Um, yes. You've reading, obviously you've got input, input, input. You've got all the audio in the universe, passive, active. We've done that. But where's the output come into this? So obviously when I was in Japan, I had to speak Japanese. Yes. Like I was in Japan, but um what happened was i came you know after one year of full-time immersion i came back from japan and then for a year in back in america i did like continue to do full-time immersion okay and i had i started going to community college and i had some classes but i had a lot of time still like i, I didn't have a lot of responsibilities and so about for that ne next year i didn't do any speaking of japanese i only did input okay and at the end of that year so you know, six months, six months in America, six months in Japan, and then another year in America, I was at two years of full-time immersion. 
I had this opportunity to do this kind of like poor guide like job for these Japanese kids who were coming to America just for three weeks. Okay. Kind of like the reverse of what I did when I first went to Japan. Right. And so that was the first time I had spoken Japanese in a year. And what I found was that I could speak Japanese decently well. Oh. <clears throat> and but you I sounded like an anime character. Uh, yeah, I probably did sound a lot like an anime character. And if I could listen to a recording now, I'm sure I would cringe really, really? hard because uh, anime characters speak pretty differently than real life people. It's very but... also very dramatic. But yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. I'm sure I was. <laughs> I sounded like an anime character at that, at that point. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was pretty fluent in Japanese. Like that was when it hit me. Where I'm like, oh, man, like if someone asked me if I'm fluent in Japanese, I think I would say yes. Like I, I yeah. had oh, like really? a, a light bulb moment. OK. Yeah, because I, I could speak Japanese and I, and I was like way better than any foreigner that they had ever that the Japanese people had ever talked to. So nice. they were like super impressed and they like complimented me a ton. And I was like, Oh crap, it worked. Like it was all, it wasn't all for nothing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and at that point when I watched like anime and stuff like that, I understood like pretty close to hundred percent for most anime by that point. And that's just like maybe 90, 95% on average. We're at four years now. Well, so yeah, four years total if you count those total. two years. Two years studying oh yeah, I want to count everything. So from like like from inception to because I'm yes. trying to give people a realistic counter of what it takes. Um, okay, I mean, I would I would say I could have covered that same ground I covered in those first two years in like two months if I was doing it more efficiently. Right. So that's why I don't want to count no, them, but I think it. it's, okay. you're you're right. We should you got to count it. it yeah, yeah. From inception and and effectively you were trialing what's right for what works for you and I guess immersion. Yeah, for you. yeah. I've got a quick question just about your your tour guideiness. Um, that's mm -hmm. not the right word for it. Um, did you do a lot of mimicking prior to that? So obviously you didn't have any output, but when an anime character went, da -da 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 -da, did you ever sort of repeat that and go da -da 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 -da, in the same kind of cadence as as them? a little bit, but not a lot. I mean, I would do it when I when someone said something cool. Yeah. Uh, or something like that. But for the, the philosophy that I had was that if I get enough input, output should come naturally. And right. that is kind of what worked out. Like basically for, I had heard these anime characters say the same types of things so many times over and over and over Yeah, that it's kind of like, you know, when you, when you watch a, a there's like, when you're a kid, you'll see the same commercial so many times you become able to recite the whole commercial, yeah, yeah. even though you didn't even try to learn it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like the commercial was a virus that infected your mind. That's kind of like what I felt like for the whole language because I just listened to it so long and I and I actually understood it. Yeah. That when I wanted to say something in Japanese, I would just kind of think like, hmm, well, how would how would a Japanese person say this? Like, w when this scene happens in anime, what do they say? And then it would just pop into my head like but, this the type of sentence. But your level your level of language at this at this point is is where you can fool Japanese na native speakers into thinking you're a native speaker today. To, today, yeah. not not, not, back, not then, back then. Yeah. Okay, okay. So back then. This is why I, want, I wonder about you copying the cadence, uh, uh, like mimicking, because I wonder whether you listen to Bleach and, and one of the characters mm -hmm. like, oh, and, you, and they said, you know, he said something similar and you, you thought, oh, that's how they say it, perhaps less dramatically. Did you, did they not, that, that was incorrect, I guess, at that point. At what point did you learn the natural level of things? Or is that, well, so, am I fast forwarding too much? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think, like right off the bat, like I, I'd watched a lot of anime and some anime are more realistic than others. So okay. like Bleach is pretty on the extreme end yes. of, you know, yes. people, don't, they don't talk like people in from real life. But there's other anime that are just about high schoolers falling in love and trying to get into college. And they generally a lot of times will have much more realistic language. Right. So right off the bat, it wasn't like I was talking like Ichigo from Bleach or anything like that. Yeah. But over the years, I, I kind of started to spread out 
for away from not just anime, but I'd also watch dramas and movies. And then sometimes I'd watch YouTubers or listen to like radio shows and podcasts. And so right. uh, at, at that two year mark, I was still probably pretty heavily like anime based, but going from like two years to three years to four to, or at least of immersion, right? The, yeah, the yeah, 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 second yeah. to the third year of immersion, I started to spread out a lot more. And then I started to have a more kind of holistic understanding of, of the of Japanese language. language. Right. Okay. Okay. So it spread out from anime. Okay. So it wasn't just pure, right? So you're watching dramas, you're listening to podcasts and, and is this all around your interest? So are you interested in Japanese dramas or did you just watch them because it's more content? Um, I, at the time it was hard to even make a distinction between those two things because right. part of me, I mean, early on, it was all just content. It was all just my interest based, but over time I started to realize that, you know, native speakers have this shared cultural knowledge. Right. Like, for example, if you're in America, then you can you can make a Seinfeld, a Seinfeld reference, or at least if you're my parents generation, you can make a Seinfeld reference and like assume that people are going to get it. Right. Right. Or you can talk about Brad Pitt and assume that someone's gonna, that they're going to even a stranger in America is going to know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I noticed in, in Japan, they have all the, all the they have that same thing, but it's all completely different. Right. All the different actors, comedians, you know, tele- television personalities and all the different famous shows, all the different famous commercials. There's all this kind of cultural knowledge that every native speaker has, but I didn't have. Right. And so I started being interested in certain shows just because I knew that they were so influential. Right. Like there are certain shows that okay. like would regularly get referenced in anime. Uh, these like famous dramas that had like a huge impact when they first came out. So I, I started ah. to be interested in shows just because I wanted to catch up on the cultural on the knowledge. cultural side. Yeah. Interesting. But that took, that was the third year of immersion. That you started to expand. Yeah, that I your... started moving in that direction. It was more and more over time that I start because at the beginning it was kind of just like I like anime. I want to understand yeah. anime. Yeah. And over time it was more like, oh, I want to be able to like fit into a group of Japanese people. So I need to like catch myself up to their their like meta of yeah. knowledge. Yeah. This is super interesting. Okay, so two two years of classroom study didn't really learn much. Decided to switch to the immersion method, which you found from uh, someone online. Yes. Uh, who was an American, you said, but he had a Japanese name. He was originally from Kenya. Oh. And he came to America for college. So he was in America when he learned Japanese. He was a college student. How's his Japanese? Um, it's pretty good. I think mine's better now. But um, well, one of the things that we can talk about later is that uh, one of the biggest in the past, when I was about five, fast, a little sneak preview, when I was like five <laughs> years into learning Japanese. Yeah. I was very fluent. But my biggest weakness was something called pitch accent, which is actually pretty similar to tones in Mandarin Chinese. You, you had a video on this. I have a couple of videos yeah, on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So basically, I, I, apparently I've heard this is very true for Mandarin learners as well. But mm. a lot of people, most people learn Japanese and they just ignore pitch accent. Uh-huh. And as a result, they speak pitch accentless Japanese for the most part. Right. And the, the difference here with Chinese is that I think in Chinese, it, the having bad tones like really can and hinder your your comprehensibility your intelligibility yeah 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 in, in japanese there's a little bit of that but it's not as bad so you can speak with bad tones and you'll sound very or sorry you can speak with bad pitch accent you'll sound very foreign but they can still understand you okay and in general and, and so yeah it, it's the vast majority of foreigners who speak japanese speak with like awful pitch, non-existent pitch accent for the most part and i was one of these people right okay and the guy who made that website was also one of those people. So that was one of the big things that um, right. I, I later learned. Oh, I wish he would have told me about this, but clearly he didn't know about it himself. So, But you're going beyond, I think. I think you're, you're going beyond. So the polyglots that I've spoken to so far, they just want to get to a conversational level of a language. And they're not really concentrating on the 
like the nitty gritty of it. So when mm-hmm. you're talking about like pitch tones and stuff, you're you're really sort of heading towards native level at that point. Like you're trying to get mm-hmm. it to a point where they think, oh, this guy might actually be Japanese, is he? If they talk to you on a phone, they think, oh, this guy yeah, might yeah. be. So now you're, tr- you're drilling. Is this year four, by the way, or year five? Uh, this is, so counting. Okay, we'll just keep counting from the <laughs> well, very it, beginning. So this yeah. is, I guess we're up to when I did the tour guide job and I first yeah. kind of felt like, okay, I, I, have a, I have a basic level of fluency in Japanese. Yeah, yeah. that was about four years, but it was, it was still pretty limited, right? Yeah. Like I still had, you know, was kind of slow when I spoke. I probably said a lot of unnatural things. I was limited in what I could say. And there were still moments that when the Japanese people would like talk amongst themselves, I would, I would get lost. Right. And so after that one tour guide experience, I kind of went back to the cave and I was like back to all input all the time when, and no output. Right. And then, and then the next year I had the same tour guide job again. Okay. And so at that point I was a five years total. Yeah. And at that point I was like a lot better than the previous year. Like that last, that, that other year, I mean, it went, it, the difference was two years of immersion versus three years of immersion. But that last year gave me a lot more comfort. And yeah. I, I was like getting to the point where I could make jokes in Japanese and like make Japanese people laugh and could impress them with my knowledge of characters and, and rare words and stuff like that. Right. And it was, it was pretty fun. And so at that point I, I was, I was like pretty like, okay, I'm like, good, I'm like good at this now. So can I, can I ask you a little bit just about, uh, during those, those years of pure immersion, did you, did you hit any walls with language? Did you hit any plateaus? And if so, how did you get out of them? I mean, I hit a lot of plateaus subjectively, but uh-huh. I think that w- what happens is, and this is a pattern that continues to play out in, in my, uh, my experience, is that you go through periods of feeling like you're good, and then you go through a period of feeling like you're crappy. And they always alternate. And I think what actually happens is that when you get better, you become more aware of your ignorance and what you don't know. Right. And so when you first actually have a growth spurt, one of the first things that happens is you become more aware of all these things that, that you were missing that you didn't know before, that you were just oblivious to. Yeah. And so the result is you feel crappy. Yeah. But you feeling like it almost feels ridiculously like you got worse. You're like, man, did I lose my touch? What happened? <laughs> but really, you've gotten better. And now you're just seeing the things that you were literally couldn't even notice before. And right. so that would always play out. And so after a certain point, I just started to like understand this meta process. Yeah. So when I would have one of those moments of feeling like, fuck, did I get worse? What happened? Like, I, I feel like I'm understanding less. I feel like, you know, you know, what, what's wrong. I just know, okay, well, this means that in like a month, I'm going to, I'm going to come out of the other end of the tunnel and then I'm going to feel like I'm like on top of the world. I'm better than I've ever had been. So I just got to yeah. stick with it until I get to that, that next kind of checkpoint. That must've happened a lot sort of later on where you would, doing doing like the pitch tone and stuff kind of things you think oh well i've now i now pretty much know most of the words i need to know to speak now i just have to perfect the way i'm saying it yeah it gets a lot harder well because also just the way language learning works is like you learn like 90 80 90 percent of the whole language in your first year Mm. and then the second year you go from like you know i I mean it's assuming if i look at my immersion yeah years right yes it's like you go from like zero to 90 and then you go from like 90 to like 95 and then 95 to 98 and every year it gets smaller and smaller. And then for the whole like last five years, I'm like going from like 99.1 to (laughs) 99.2 to 99.3 and then to 99.31, 99.32. It like just gets so marginally, like the improvements get so marginal that it does become really hard to tell. Like, am I actually improving? Yeah, Yeah. 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 There's certain things that you can point to, but like, like a lot of like for me that improving my pitch accent that made a huge difference so that's mm-hmm. kind of an exception but in general for little things like you know I'm I will like learn these rare words that like almost never come up 
Yeah. Like I think recently I learned the word for uh for like Velcro. Like I just realized oh. like like earlier this year I'm like, "Oh, I I never knew the Japanese word for Velcro." Right, right, right. But it's like, okay, am I better at Japanese now? Kind of, <laughs> but it's kind yeah. of hard to tell, you yeah. know. Do you Okay. So, um let's finish your your journey because I've got some other questions yes. around yes. your journey. So, between we were up to year 5 and I guess between 5 and 10 you're now just like honing your skills. So yeah, the, the last big kind of yeah. part of my, of the story is that, so after I, the second time doing the tour guide job, I went back to doing immersion all the time. Yes. And then I transferred into a, a normal four-year university. So this was, I guess was in my sixth year or my fourth year of doing immersion. Yes. And at the university, there were a lot of Japanese foreign exchange students. Okay. And so I started like making friends with all of them and, and, and speaking and hanging out with them all the time. So that was at the first point I actually started speaking on a regular basis. Until that point, I was all input basically. And they didn't, okay, so a couple of questions. So they didn't want to speak English with you? Um, so these Japanese people, they come to America because they want to learn English. Yeah. So if you ask them like, do you want to learn English? They're like, yeah, yeah, I really want to learn English. Yeah. But then what they do in, in practicality is they just hang out with other Japanese people. This is the problem. And yeah, yeah never really improve their English. And so, and the other thing is that because I would, my Japanese was like so much better than their English. They were like embarrassed to speak English to me. Oh, like what I would do I sometimes at first I would pretend I didn't speak Japanese. I'd go and talk to them to English yeah. and I'd make them speak English for like five minutes. And then I would, I'd be like, and then I'd switch to Japanese and then they would feel super embarrassed. They're like, Oh my God, I can't believe like you made me speak that awful English to you. Like yeah. when you're this fluent in Japanese. Psycho. So yeah, generally they would never speak English to me. In fact, there were, there were a couple of Japanese people who were actually serious about improving their English. Right. And they're like, I can't be friends with you because you're too good at Japanese. Like, we're never going to speak English if we hang out together. Did they say that tongue in cheek or did they actually mean that? No, they actually meant that. They're like, wow. you're cool, but like, I came here to learn English. So I'm only making Amer like actual American friends. And you're like, not even American anymore. Basically, like, what, you, what they say. <laughs> did you never, during, during your course of learning, think about getting a teacher or, or uh, anything like that? Definitely not. I was uh, very much, I mean, I had a very hardcore philosophy uh -huh. and my philosophy was that at the time, I and mean, it has shifted, but at the time my philosophy was that input is the, is the ultimate key input okay. unlocks everything. And if you get enough input, you, you develop intuition in the language. And if you have an intuition in the language that will naturally guide your ability to be able to speak and produce the language naturally. Right. And so, and I also had this idea that, you know, the language is so subtle, right? Like, yeah. Like th there's so many little subtle differences. Like what's the difference between saying I hit him versus I smacked him versus yeah. I punched him. You know, it's like, could you explain that to a Chinese person learning English? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of hard. Right. Interesting. So I always thought there's nothing a, a teacher would be able to do that. I couldn't do for myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, could you design for me? So I, I guess over the last 10 years and it, is it, is it 10 years total now? That you've been uh if you counted those two years that where i doing textbooks it'd be 12 years actually oh okay okay so over the 12 years of um of studying japanese from the inception to now or 10 years of uh immersion are you still doing immersion yes especially now i've been spending more definitely more time in japanese than english at least for these last six months. Um, oh, it's because you're moving though soon, isn't it? As well, so you're like ramping. Yeah, up. yeah. So for for a couple of years, there was a couple of years to kind of like fast forward. So I was at that college for like a year and a half. Yeah. And my Japanese improved a lot because I was hanging out with Japanese people all day. Yeah. Then I actually left school and came back home, and actually took like a year off from Japanese. Right. And then I picked it back up, and that was when I started working on my pitch accent. 
And so from like 2000, basically 17 until now, mm. I've been like doing Japanese like half time, like part of the time, but not very intensively. But when I am working on it, I've been working on my pitch accent, which has improved a lot. Yeah. And for the last six months, I've been like doing a lot more Japanese because I'm going to move to Japan. <laughs> you, yeah. What, what will you be doing in Japan? If you don't mind me asking. So I'm actually technically it's a study abroad because okay. that's how I, I got a visa there. Right. Uh, that was like my ticket over there. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll continue doing the same stuff I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also actually been working with a Japanese marketing company. Cool. They, they, they work with Japanese influencers to help them like build an English audience. Uh-huh. So, so far we've been working remotely, but I'll get to, you know, we do some work with them in person. That would be cool too. So, so I'll do a lot. I'll do a lot of little things. You're going to be continue to go down the content creation route. Yeah, I want to. I'm actually thinking about kind of shifting, trying to make content in Japanese for Japanese people. Right. Yeah, and yeah. help them learn English with immersion. Yeah. And so I think I'll, I'll still be making some content for my English audience as well. But when I'm in Japan, I really want to, at least for a couple of years, try to really like fully live in Japanese and like yeah. relive the experience that I had 10 years ago, but, but failed at, you know, like it totally could, live in Japanese. It could be the start of the rest of your life, right? Yeah, it's very much a big turning point in my life, I think. That's certainly what I felt when moving over to Taiwan. But um, I don't know how much time we... Oh, yeah, right. we talked for, it's gone quick. It's already at 56 minutes. So um, could you design for me a... Let me say, I, I'm, I don't know any Japanese uh, apart from, you know, and I, I do enjoy anime, but I haven't ever done in, you know, intensive listening or anything. Could you design for me uh, the, the mat learn? How would I learn from net nothing to your level or to conversational? How would you, what okay. steps should I take? Well, so first I need to ask like your priorities. So like, yeah, it depends on what, what do you want? What's your final goal and how much do you care about pronunciation? Um, let's say I, I just want to become, let's take the general gist of, of language learners that I, mm-hmm. I found so far. It's just become to become conversational in it. Not, not necessarily okay. become, to get to your level, but yeah, conversational yeah. in it. What so then my, my recommended path would be first you want to learn Hiragana and Katakana, those are the, the phonetic scripts that I talked about. It only takes like a week or two to, to learn both of them. Okay. And then you want to start like read through a basic grammar guide and then memorize the meaning of the most common one to 2,000 words in Japanese. Just Flash like cards. using an Anki deck. Yes. Uh, and use them in sentence or just in sentences or in... Uh... As individual in words. the very beginning, I would I would actually just probably do them. I would have like sentences on the back, but probably just have the word on the front, just because reading entire sentences as a pure beginner is really really hard and stressful. Yes. So, and at the beginning, you're not trying to like fully master the meaning of these words. You're just trying to memorize the vague gist of what they mean, so yeah. that when you're when you're listening to Japanese, you can recognize it and go like, oh yeah, I, that roughly means you know today or okay. something. And then, and then the input, con- the context you get during the input will fill in all the blanks. Okay, so, so the, the, the most common 2,000 words in Japanese you would learn through Anki flash decks, which you would build. Yeah, you could probably yeah. download them, right, from, from somewhere. Yeah, Anki, yeah, you, can, you can easily, yeah, there's tons of different options out there you can get. Okay, and you, you would recommend anything between, you did 10 a day, but yeah, anything yeah. between, whatever you feel comfortable with essentially doing each Yeah, day. yeah, definitely. It'll be different from pe- different people. Some people have an easier time memorizing things than other people, so... And, you know, uh, whatever, whatever works for you. How long a, a time period am I looking at here? So I've read a grammar book. I've uh, mm-hmm. memorized the, uh, the characters or the radicals. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then I'm now doing uh, the, the most common 2000 words. And this will take as long as it takes me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you could do it in like three months if you like okay. have a couple hours a day to focus on it. Uh, and, and then what? 
and then and this is and by, then, this is input as well by the way am i am i input yeah yeah definitely if you can if you can handle it yeah do do input like the more you you expose yourself to the language the, the better right so, so i would whatever I, f I find that what i enjoy i can enjoy find some content that i enjoy and just get it in my ear holes for as long as humanly possible around work yeah, and yeah. And, and at the beginning of course you're not going to understand anything yes. so you, you have to shift your mindset to that imagine that you're that your goal is to just recognize as, as many words as you can because you're, you're memorizing the most common words in the language right yeah. so your goal should be like imagine that you just have this this like conveyor belt of like like sushi rolling across your 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 eyes and you want to find like the golden sushi and like take it off so that's kind of like the <laughs> mindset is like you have this conveyor belt of language yeah. you, you're ignoring most of it but see if you can just how many individual words you can pick up like can you pick up the word i can you pick up yeah. the word you can you pick up the word today tomorrow these words come up all the time and so you have to make it kind of like a game of you're not trying to understand messages that's kind of out of reach but okay. if you make it a game of like how many individual words can i pick out it can actually become kind of fun and engaging and and, and what do i do with those words you well, you just understand them. I ding okay. myself in my head and go, "Hey, I, yes, I heard yes. today." You go, okay, score, yeah. score, score. Yeah, you just give yourself a dopamine boost because you did it. Okay, and that's that would be active. If I'm um, listening, well, to you it. can you you can do that passively too. Like when you have sure. a minute, like whenever you're like making a sandwich and yeah. you have a couple, you know, you're you making the act of making a sandwich doesn't take a lot of you know mental bandwidth. So sure. you can when you when you have the ability, just tune in for a couple moments and then yeah. tune back out you know, whenever you're able to. Okay. And then, so I've got lots of input. I'm doing 2000 words. And then where am I? And then you want to start basically what I'd recommend is find a Japanese TV show yep. that has Japanese subtitles that ideally you're interested in and also is fairly comprehensible, right? Certain things are inherently more comprehensible than other things. Mm. Like, you know, there's certain movies where like, if you're on a plane and you're like, see the person in front of you, like watching a movie and you have no sound, but you like, get interested in the movie they're watching. Yeah. Right. It's like that at least shows you it's possible to enjoy a movie, even if you're understanding 0% of the language, right? right, right you're watching right. it, you know, with just the visuals. So you want to find something kind of like that, where you're being entertained by the visuals. Yeah. And then you're watching with the Japanese subtitles. And then as you go along, you want to look up the words that feel familiar to you. Mm -hmm. so, you know, there, there's this principle in marketing, I think it's called the rule of seven, mm -hmm. where in order for you to consciously notice something, you have to have come across it at least like seven, seven different times, times unconsciously. So like you can, you could see a billboard seven times and not notice. And then like the, the, or six times and then the seventh time and you like, Oh, whoa, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it, all I have to do is call this number and like, or something like that. Yeah. And so the same thing happens with the word. So if you, if a word like pops out at you and you're like, man, what is this word? This feels familiar. Like, I feel like I've seen this before. That probably means that you've seen it like dozens of times by that point. Right. It means that it's a, you know, it's a pretty common word. It's worth like looking up and trying to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you, you look up the words that just that pop out to you, because if you try to look up every word, that will be way too much at the beginning. And then when you find one of those sentences where you almost understand it all, except for that one word, then you want to make an Anki card for that. Right. Okay. Okay. So, sorry, just to reiterate, you're, I'm, I'm, I've, I've memorized the 2000 most common words. I've just got mm -hmm. loads of input as much as I possibly can. And I've found, I've found a Japanese TV show that I'm interested in or potentially interested mm -hmm. in. That's using a variety of words and the golden ticket here is where I would find a sentence where there's one or two words, perhaps that I don't understand, but I understand yeah. most of the sentence. Ideally, ideally one, one word. And okay. if you've learned the most common 2000 words and you read through a grammar guide, there will be lots of sentences like this. I mean, most because sen most sentences are comprised of the most common, like 300, 400 words, you know, like yeah. there'll be lots of sentences like, oh, I'm going to go to school. Yeah. Right. Maybe you didn't know the word for school, 
but you're definitely going to go i'm going to i'm going to go to like if you yeah. memorize the most common 2000 words you're going to know all those right 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 and so it, it it actually will be quite easy to find these sentences like you'll you'll be you'll be able to easily be able to make 10 or more sentence uh, 10 of these cards a day okay 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 so at that at that stage um am i conversational no not at all keep going so yeah then you just keep doing that yep. and as you do that so you just get input you look things up you make cards your comprehension will get better and better and better and better and then once your comprehension gets to like around 80 or, or 90 percent then generally if you want to start speaking you can you can start practicing speaking and it will come pretty naturally like pretty intuitively like you won't have to think about grammar rules you don't have to think about conjugations you'll be able to just speak kind of like how you speak your native language it'll be slow and clunky and you won't know how to say a lot of things but it will it won't feel the way that it feels when you try to like learn a, a language in school and you're like running calculus in your head to like figure out the grammar rules and things like that right. you, by, by getting the input and growing your comprehension you build an intuition for the language and then it comes pretty naturally got it okay so uh for me it took like two years of doing full-time immersion to get like basic fluency in japanese right right and then three years to get like a stronger level of fluency and And so if you're doing it less hardcore that could take you you know five six seven years but i will also say that most people who study japanese never get even close to fluency in japanese like you can go to japan and talk to foreigners who've been living there for like 20 years and most of them still have like very very bad japanese so it might sound crazy be like oh it takes like five six seven years to get fluent in japanese it's like yeah that's just how long it takes and the and the and the reality is that almost nobody gets fluent in japanese that's just the sad unfortunate reality of it how long how long were you spending every day within so probably active for the bulk of my period probably active i'd say between like five and eight hours and then passive like another like maybe five hours on average so it's 12 13 hours a day yeah although some of that is just like i'm listening in the background while i'm like taking a walk or cooking or cleaning or something but just to put it in context and give give people perspective that was several years of listening 12 hours a day between 8 and 13 whatever hours a day to get to the level you're at right now well i told 12 years 10 years with immersion yeah, well, so for these last like five years, it's been more like, you know, three, like zero to three hours a day. So I'm you're fine tuning though. Yeah, yeah. To get to, so like the, I did it, I did like hardcore immersion for five years. Yeah. And after those five years, I was probably at like 90% of my current level. So yeah, five years of doing it like almost full, totally full time like that. How did you live life? I mean, I suppose you didn't. Uh, well, so when I was at college, it was pretty oh, nice because right. I, I was time. like still doing Japanese all the time, but I was still like going to parties with Japanese people and getting yeah. drunk with them. And, you know, it was pretty fun before that. The first four years, I was pretty recluse. Right. And I, and so it worked well for me because I was a, an introvert. Yeah. I liked, and, and I liked focusing on one thing. I always, my whole life would like focus on one thing at a time, try to get really good at it. Yeah. And so it, it worked for me just sitting at home and, and I was kind of like a monk, you know, yeah, a Japanese monk. And it became your religion, didn't it? So it's interesting because I saw a video of you speaking Japanese with a Japanese store clerk or lady in a, in a, in a mm-hmm. store. And I noticed just by your body language, that you seem introverted when you're outside talking to people, right? Because you talk mm-hmm. to another YouTuber. Uh, I can't remember her name, but you talk to another U- YouTuber and you're like, oh shit, I kind of 
started bragging about my subscriber base or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um and I, I it just made me think actually because you seem extrovert or at least confident on camera um when you're talking in this setting. Yeah, yeah. But I mean I I found actually talking to a lot of YouTubers, that's a pretty common thing where ah. a lot of YouTubers are actually introverted. Yeah. And out in, out in the world, they're not they, they don't come across the same way that they do when they're like alone in the room talking to a camera. Right. Okay, okay. So would you but, does it have any import being an introvert and extrovert? Because you know you get some people who extroverts who perhaps will argue, oh, if you're an extrovert, you got more confidence, so you're going to get better at speaking because you're okay with going out and making a fool of yourself, and making mistakes. Then introverts say, oh no, no, you know I, I prefer to study the, you know whatever. Do you is there any value in any of that? Do you think? Um, versus extrovert so the the idea of like I'm going to go make a bunch of mistakes and that's going to help me get better faster. Yeah. Uh. Well, so it depends. If your goal is to get to like, you know, the point where you you can like have conversations passively but you you don't mind having like really low accuracy when it comes to like grammar and word uses and pronunciation mm. then like that might work but if you want to get to the point where you can like really sound like a native speaker and like sound naturally and articulate then the key to that is you have to you have to build an intuition for the language and i really yeah. got in that a very very subtly tuned intuition and i don't think that can come from getting your mistakes corrected i think that's actually a very low resolution way to improve your knowledge of the language yeah you know like when I talked about like, what's the difference between like hit versus smack versus yeah. punch, right? Having somebody like, like that, the real difference between those is that they feel different, uh -huh. right? It's a different feeling when you use one versus the other. Yeah. And so if you use one and a native speaker tells you like, oh, it's better, it's actually better to use like hit here. And you might be like, why? And they might make up some bullshit. honestly probably bullshit answer yeah. of like, well, because you know, most native speakers are very bad at articulating the language. So they yeah. actually are very bad at telling you why you made a mistake that you can, all they know is that sounded weird to me. Yeah. But it's it's so, so nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's, there's no real way for a native speaker to communicate to you. What is the exact feeling and emotion of this word versus that other word and why you use the wrong one in the situation. The yeah. only way you're going to get that is by exposing yourself to the language for like thousands of hours and, and letting your brain kind of pattern match all the different situations and, and come up with its own conclusion of exactly what the nuance of that word is yeah like the way that i think about it is imagine you have like a you're a sculptor right mm. so you have this block of marble and the final sculpture of like you know michelangelo's like beautiful beautiful sculpture mm. is like the exact nuance of word so every time you hear that word used in context it's like you're knocking off a little piece of that marble block yeah and and enough times you knock off enough piece of that marble block you eventually end up with like the exact perfect right sculpture right and that's the nuanced meaning of the word yeah. So there's no shortcut to to getting to that that native like intuition of exactly what a word means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so people who are just going out and making mistakes. First of all, most native speakers don't correct you most of the time, as long as they can understand you. And so really, they're only correcting like the top one percent of your most egregious mistakes. Mm -hmm. And all the rest of the mistakes are going unnoticed, and they're actually becoming ingrained bad habits that are really going to be really hard to change later. Yeah, for sure. And so my philosophy was, it's actually better to wait to speak until you already have that intuition so that you can kind of like guide yourself and then build good habits the first time. Right, right, right. It seems to me that you're learning like a child. That sounds, that sounds offensive. Offensive. No, but no, like, yes. But I, child's, child's uh, are the best language. So. Yeah, we see that uh, bar the flashcards because they, they don't learn through flashcards. Now, yes, I, yes. I have three children and uh, it, it's obviously a multilingual family, but the way they learn language so far is I've noticed, for example, my, I, I, I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old and the one-year-old doesn't speak. He says like, Bleh which is a measure word in, 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 in Mandarin, but mm -hmm. still, he just says, Gah. it doesn't mean anything by it, but he understands, I can say, put your shoes on and he'll go put his shoes on. He's got input effectively of what you've been having 
mm-hmm. input he gets he can input first few years of his life until he can string together a couple of sentences right mm-hmm. the only difference with your with your uh method is that you incorporate flashcards i think yeah yeah and also the reading early on i think that's that's um, you said that was a mistake. an aspect yeah i think that was a mistake i think because the written language doesn't represent the spoken language like in, in written japanese pitch accent is not accounted for mm. at all mm. and so i think that's part of the biggest reason that i messed up pitch accent is when, I, when all those hours i was sitting and reading japanese books i was i was the voice in my head had wrong pitch accent yeah and I totally ingrained that really really deeply so it was t- really hard change was that the hardest thing to to work through your pitch accent yes because for me most most of my ability came completely naturally like all i did was get the input mm-hmm. and then i would speak and then it would come out right and oh. so there was very r- relatively few things I had to like consciously fix. And the pitch accent was one was by far the biggest thing where I had to go and like consciously learn it from scratch and like retrain myself. Cause you'd like, be making like rehabilitation. Things. Yeah. to like learn oh. how to speak in this entirely different way with the right pitch. Super interesting. Do you have any other languages on the horizon? Um, I, I would love to learn to try learning, learning a European language, like maybe French. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually have studied Chinese on and off for a couple of periods of time, studied Mandarin mm-hmm. and I'd love to pick that up one day, but ultimately I always end up coming back to like, I want to have like God level Japanese and, <laughs> and I'm not willing to like make any compromises to that. Okay. Okay. So probably not for you. So, um, finally, um, I just want to ask, and I, possibly know the answer to this question already because you've you've talked through a lot it's been amazing listening to you um your your biggest influence in your journey so far is what or well who? yeah well i would it would probably have to be the the person who wrote that katsumoto the guy who wrote that initial site the, the kenyan because, gentleman because yes yes right because if, if it wasn't for him i probably never would have started that intensive immersion yes more and- recently i've been i've been reading uh the works of j marvin brown okay which he is he's a really really interesting uh, professor who basically started the school in thailand that taught english to to type sorry taught thai to yeah. foreigners in thailand and he taught entirely through comprehensible input okay with no conscious study at all like he would no no he he really tried to, he taught the exact same way that, that infants learn essentially, where he would have two native speakers at the front of, on the front of the classroom, just speaking in full on Thai sentences. Yeah. And he would, he, he came up with a lot of creative ways to make the messages comprehensible, right? He had all these props, he would draw things on the uh. board and he actually forbid the students to speak, to speak Thai for the first 1000 hours of input. Nice. So they could actually, they could speak English back if they needed to communicate, but they couldn't speak Thai because he didn't, he, he really believed that early output can damage your your ability to speak naturally if you do it too early wow interesting and apparently the students went on to have like native like levels of ability and like half the time it took me essentially could you and, and you say so you said jay marvin brown yes he's like a professor of linguistics or something yes he passed away almost 20 years ago uh-huh. but he has a really fascinating autobiography uh what's that called is it just called jay, jay marvin brown it, it, yeah is the biography the biography is called from out from the outside in i okay. believe from outside, from the outside in, would you recommend any other books uh, to read if you're mm. interested in learning languages? Uh, I recommend watching my videos. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you, uh, you should, you should. If you're learning Japanese, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I for me, yeah, the, my biggest influence by far was that was the blog that 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 Katsumoto wrote. Yep. Called All Japanese All the Time. 
Um, and then, yeah, this book has been really influential as well. But besides that, I haven't like read a lot of, of like books. I've read a lot of like papers here and there about linguistics and I've seen the research that's been done. I know you're speaking but, to like Steve Kaufman, for example. Yeah, Steve, Steve Ka Kaufman, Kaufman or Steve Crash, Stephen Krashen. No, not Stephen Krashen. No, no, no. Uh, Steve, I think it's Steve Kaufman, right? Uh, Steve Kaufman is the polyglot YouTuber. Steve, yeah, Stephen yeah. Krashen yes, the polyglot the YouTuber. Yes, Steve linguist. Kaufman. I saw a video with you and him talking about comprehensible input, I think. Um, that might have been Stephen Krashen. It's kind of confusing because, so Stephen Krashen, he is the originator of the input hypothesis. Yes. Which is the idea that we learn through input. And so J. Marvin Brown, who I just mentioned, he was very influenced by Stephen Krashen. Right. Uh, then Steve Kaufman is a YouTuber who yeah, speaks yes. like Many 14 languages, languages yeah, yeah. and he also likes input. So it's kind of confusing. So you guys had a chat about Stephen Krashen. Yeah, I've chatted with both of them. I've chatted oh, with Stephen Krashen well. and I've searched and I have a video with Stephen <laughs> Okay. Well, for anyone who wants to search, uh, please look, uh, Matt versus Japan is on Twitter, Matt versus Japan. It's not going to be difficult for you guys to find them, find him. Just search Google Matt versus Japan. He's going to come up uh, with his YouTube channel as well. Subscribe, obviously, if you're learning Japanese as well. Um, and you do have an Instagram, but you don't use it very much. Yes, I want to use it more. So feel free if you like you if you like Instagram, feel free to. Are you on the talk? Uh, not yet, not yet. Shame, shame upon you. Sir. Maybe, maybe in the in the near future. Okay, okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been amazing, and I could probably chat to you for hours and hours and hours, but I don't want to take you. You got more Japanese to listen to, right? I'm sure. So listen there. <laughs> okay, lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for coming on. I super appreciate it. Oh yeah, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun.